As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Living in sync with God, His Word, love, power, and His vision for your life. Welcome to Spiritual Training. Hi, this is Elder Michael Dunn, and welcome to Spiritual Training. In today's session, we're going to talk about an encounter with Jesus. Now, how do we know we've had an encounter with Jesus? Well, first of all, an encounter with Jesus is a supernatural thing, isn't it? And the way we know that we have an encounter with him is when our lives begin to fulfill the scriptures. For example, I don't know about you, but when I met Jesus, I was at church as a young young man, and one of the most wonderful things that happened to me is that I was, was able to be mentored and to be taught how to have a relationship with people who really knew God. And that was a tremendous experience for me because I began to experience the presence of God and I began to know who he is. Before I even knew anything about the scripture, before I knew anything about all of these wonderful theologians and all of the great uh, the, uh, the great Bible teachers of the world, Before I knew anything, I had to know him. And this is the most powerful part of our lives in Christ is that we know God because anything that comes after is built upon that relationship. So when I met him, just like all of us, we're real rich undone, aren't we? But when our life begins to change. We have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of will, a change of desire. All of these things is supernatural. There is no way that you're going to all of a sudden just become a new person. It's never going to happen, and you know that. There is nothing powerful enough to break down this human condition we've been talking about other than the very power of God. And we realize that. So what we mean by having this encounter with God, it must be real. It can't be, uh, for example, it can't be by organization. You don't know Jesus by your organization, by your denomination, because you are an evangelical, whatever that means, or you're a Catholic, whatever you want to call that, or whatever denominational structure you want to say that you're a part of. 
when Jesus meets us, he meets us personal and he meets us on an individual basis. And everything about our lives began to become the fulfillment of scripture. Isn't that what Jesus himself came to do? He said, I came to do the will of the Father. Everything that was written of Jesus in the scripture was fully fulfilled, wasn't it? So everything, my friends, that is written of us as the body of Christ in this world, our lives reflect the scripture and what is written of us. So this is who we are in him. So this is what I mean by having a real relationship with God. Our relationship with God cannot be based on words. It can't be based on anything other than what the word of God says we are. Now, we know from the scriptures that God sees from the heart and he knows from the motives. So we know God sees our hearts and he knows us from our motives. So he doesn't know us by something we confess because we, we, we've met a wonderful Bible teacher who could lead us into a prayer of repentance. That's not how you repent. Yeah, yeah, that's not how it's done. You have to come to him. You see, that was one of the most beautiful parts of my trend, of my, um, uh, my, my conversion is when we had to come to him. The mothers made you come to Jesus. There was a coming to Jesus. That was a time that you get on your knees and you call upon his name and you come to him and you invite him into your life and you tell him that you give him a total surrender of your life. You invite him and you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life, to change you into the image of Christ. You come and 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 you keep coming into his presence. And with this persistence and with this, this great zeal, the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and he and this miracle of regeneration begins to take place. But it doesn't take place because you say you're sorry. It doesn't take place because you have a wonderful prayer that you've repeated from your pastor. That's not how it happens. So what I'm saying is that we can't have a theoretical or a, in, in theory, a relationship with God. It has to be a reality. It has to be actually who we really are. It can't be anything else. Otherwise, it's not real. And you'll never hang your hat on what's not real. So when trials come, tribulations come, anything comes, you'll just be a Christian by category, and you'll, and you'll quickly just drift away. You'll quickly not be anchored into the word of God. There will be nothing holding you to Jesus. There will be no fulfillment of the scripture concerning your life. You will live life on your own terms. And this, my friend, is one of the greatest deceptions that we see in our world today, isn't it? We see people go about claiming Christianity, but they live any kind of way. So it makes you cringe and, and very reluctant to even use the word Christian in our day because they've turned it into such a broad term that who knows what you're talking about. So 
This, my friends, is a very real, real challenge for us today. Now, our relationship with God is based on who we are before him, right? That's because he knows us. He knows us very well. So the scripture says that, that there's nothing hidden and we're uncovered before him. So who am I before God and who are you before God? Who are we? Let's take a look in John chapter 1. We want to take a look at Nathaniel. This is a brief little story here about a great man that we want to look at what happened the very first time Nathaniel encountered Jesus. Now, let's begin by saying this. Now, scholars agree that Nathaniel is the same person as Bartholomew, which is one of the twelve. So it's a different name, same person. So Bartholomew is called the son of Ptolemy, and Nathaniel means gift of God. That's what Nathaniel is his name means, gift of God or given of God. Now, Philip, also a great man, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We learned about him in the book of Acts. So we know this Philip is a powerful man. And he was convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. He was convinced that, oh my God, we have found the Messiah. So he wanted Nathaniel to come and see for himself. So and this is kind of where this story kind of gets going here. Philip said, say, look, tells Nathaniel, we have found the one. You know, the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote. You know who he is? He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So <laughs> imagine they've been waiting forever to have this great news come. They've been waiting patiently for the Messiah to come. And this earth shaking, shattering news come from Philip a man that Nathaniel got quite a bit of confidence in. And of course, he's, he's, he's a little nervous, a little excited. He's just all mixed up. And he's like, wow, you mean to tell me you found him? So he wanted to come and see. So he came and he wanted to know, is this really true? And when he came, look at, look at his first impression. His first impression was, that it says that he was kind of skeptic because of where Jesus came from. He said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Wow. So you see Nazareth, this little small, insignificant little place where, um, where Jesus is from. It was like, really? Really? Now, it's kind of like pouring a little water on that fire a little bit, right? So, but he, he just said, okay, let me just give it a chance. So, as he still came near, now this is the part I want you to really pay attention to. It says that Jesus said to him, an Israelite indeed, what? In whom there is no guile. And what a high praise 
Do you see that? He sees Nathaniel coming, and this is what Jesus responds to him. There was no ulterior motives in him. He came out of pure motives to see if what Philip said was true about this Jesus. So we see that Jesus gives him this great high praise that there's no deceit in this man. There's nothing false in this man, in this man, Nathaniel. And he was immediately surprised when Jesus said that. He said that Jesus could see the truth in his intentions immediately. He realized, listen, only God knows. Only God could do that. Only God knows a man's heart. Only God knows who, who, the who part of a man who he really is. Only God knows that. So knowing that and knowing who he is, this was a very powerful thing for Nathaniel to experience. And so he's like, wow. And Jesus saw his heart. I mean, my goodness. I mean, just like he sees our heart, right? He also, now this is, this is another part. And you know, so Jesus began to tell him this. He said, look, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip came to you. And that's kind of a strange thing to say. But I want you to look at what's happening here. Jesus is connecting something with Nathaniel that we don't really know about because this statement is a quite, quite a bit ambiguous in its nature and scholars are not really sure what Jesus meant by because I saw you sitting under the shade tree, under the fig tree. They don't really know because it was a metaphor used for a person's house. So they don't know if that's what he meant or if he literally just meant, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. Either way, my friends, look at what was really happening. My goodness, there was something happening supernatural right away. What's very plain is that Nathaniel recognized that Jesus saw something about him that required supernatural knowledge. It had to be supernatural before Nathaniel could even, oh my God, I hope you see that. It, it was a supernatural thing before he could really connect with Jesus and connect those dots. Now, after he did that, let's look at his confession. Jesus, he said, is the son of God. Wow. He's the king of Israel, the one. The one invested with divine authority and rule and reign as the Messiah. He is saying the Messiah has come and Jesus is the son of God. You remember when Peter's great confession, what Jesus told him, he says, when Jesus said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, you know, flesh and blood didn't, didn't uh, uh, reveal that. So in the same way, we see that it wasn't flesh and blood, my friends, that 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 caused Nathaniel to come to this conclusion. There was something happening. There was something happening not that couldn't be really captured with words so that we can read about it in the scripture. There was an experience that he was having. There was the power of God. There was a presence 
of God that was so real to him that it was unmistakably. It was something that he absolutely knew. It was a knowing beyond the knowing. He knew within himself, oh my God, this is him. You see, this, my friends, is how Jesus drove it home to Nathaniel. It was a powerful experience. It moved him beyond any shadow of doubt. It wasn't a, a theological understanding of scripture. It was the power of God and the revelation of the spirit that moved him to where he was inwardly to the point where his confession had to be what the scriptures had already determined for his life. Oh my God, I hope you see that. So this is a very powerful, powerful, powerful thing. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he changes everything about us and who we are, and he causes our life to follow the same course of his life so that we ourselves begin to do the will of the Father. We ourselves begin to take on the nature and the attributes of Christ. We ourselves begin to die daily of our flesh. We repent daily of our sins. We are so focused on loving and pleasing God that the Holy Spirit uses us, work with us, and he has this spiritual dynamic in our relationship with him that produces exactly what he wants done. Oh my God, it's called the work of the Spirit. It's not something we, my friends, can do of ourselves. So Jesus said to him, now he wasn't finished. Jesus said to him, listen at this. Jesus said, well, you're saying all of this because you believe, you know, that, that I saw you sitting under a tree and you believe because I said that to you? And this is, my friends, what Jesus had to say to this man. Because you know, it wasn't just because Jesus said, hey, I saw you under the fig tree that had this kind of response to Nathaniel. You know it's more than that. So he says, I got something greater for you. He says, you're going to see something. He says, you're going to see heaven open and angels ascending and descending. He said, Nathaniel, I am going to show you an open heaven. Oh, my God. I want you to see this open heaven. And I want you to see the angels descending and ascending. And you know he was alluding to something that, that Nathaniel was very familiar with. It was Jacob's ladder. Remember Jacob's ladder, how, how he saw that, the, that, that he saw that heaven and earth was joining up in this ladder. This ladder is what, what really brought the two together and that he saw the angels ascending and descending. Oh my God. So listen at what Jesus is really telling Nathaniel. He's saying, look, Nathaniel, Jesus is telling him that he is that ladder. <laughs> he is that link between earth 
and heaven. And if anyone is to ascend to heaven, if anyone is going to have salvation, if anyone is going to heaven, if anyone that has eternal life is going to come through him. He's the only way. That's why, my friends, we're not we don't compromise with world religions because they're false and it's, and it's not going to produce salvation. There's no other way to heaven other than through Christ Jesus. This is it. This is the revelation fulfilled. So all together, there isn't a lot we know about this great man, Nathaniel Bartholomew, one of the 12. But we do know, my friends, is that he went on to fulfill everything that was written of him in the scripture because he, my friend, was called the gift of God. He, my friend, was called the giver of God, given of God. God gave him to people. God gave this ministry of salvation to this great man of God who did exactly what God had expected him to do. He went on and he preached the gospel. He did everything and fulfilled everything that God had for his life. His life was a fulfillment of scripture. His life proved to be everything that God had called him to be. And my friends, that's the testimony of the people of God today. We have to stand up as the people of God. Stand strong with the word of God unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work is not in vain in the Lord. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this powerful ministry called the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives, that turns our lives upside down. This supernatural power, Lord God, that we can't explain, oh God, that changes our emotions, changes our will, changes our desires. We're not in sin because we hate sin and we love you. We don't try to have this, this, this great thing about resisting sin. It's not in us to start with, oh God. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that there's no appetite for sin. There's no appetite to do wrong. There's a hunger and a thirst after righteousness that you have replaced in our nature, in our very nature, the one that craves sin and degradation and all the things that were evil in our lives, oh God. You turned this whole thing around, and now we only want what you want for our lives. What a great miracle. What a powerful anointing of your spirit. Oh God, that rest on your people, oh God. We are your people in this world, oh God, and we thank you. We're the ones that are holding the light of salvation, and we thank you for this great opportunity in a dark time, oh God, where so many people are confused, where people don't have a real relationship with you. They just have a relationship in theory, a relationship, oh God, in religion, but they don't know you, oh God, and we are those who know you. And we ask, God, that you will help us, strengthen us as we seek to do your will and to spread this marvelous, great message of the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. If you find these sessions to be beneficial, share them with your family and friends and join us again for another session of spiritual training.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.